Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars show coming to you from a galaxy, galaxy really close to Barnsley, really close to Barnsley actually, about six miles out as we speak. I am your host Mr. Mark Asquith and joining me today as always is the beard of desire, the eyes of lust, the galaxy of fire, Mr. Gary Ehlert, <laughs> how you doing dude? I'm really well thank you, I'm much better now after that intro. Thank you very I much. I should hope so. You're welcome. That's I've been working on that. I, uh, I I dug out a lot of old generation game tapes, uh, a lot of the prices right, and looked, how does Bruce Forsyth compliment the people on his shows? So you're going to see more of that. That's all I can say. You're welcome. A bit of Brucey. You can't go wrong with a bit of Brucey. Can't beat a bit of Brucey. Right, on the show <laughs> today, we have no more Bruce Forsyth, but what we do have is Galaxy's Edge, a really endearing little tale from Galaxy's Edge. We've got some toy news and something that looks really, really cool, actually. Something that's quite exciting. Something that is shrouded in a little bit of mystery before we dig into our review and discussion session, which, of course, is another Rise of Skywalker theory. And then we're going to finish up with a random spotlight. And this week, we're going to go into space. We're going to go galactic with our random spotlight. But before we dive into any of that, before we start on the news, quick reminder that you can, of course, join the Spark Rebellion tribe over on Patreon for as little as one buck. You can grab your sticker. You can get some merchandise. You can even, if you want, get some exec producer credit on the show, just like Regina. If you want to do that, if you want any of this fantastic swag, if you want to get involved, head over to patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion and hit us up on all the socials. Search for Spark of Rebellion on all of the socials. Give us a little tweet. Let us know what you've been playing within the Star Wars universe. Let us know what you've been reading, watching, digging into, and uh, we'll, we'll chat with you on there until the cows come home because we absolutely love it. And speaking of which, speaking of things that we've been doing this week, guys, what have you been doing this week Star Wars-wise, buddy? What's been going on? I have fired up the old Audible subscription. Gutted, though, that Amazon's very clever with their metrics and um, their previous um, data on when you've signed up, because apparently I did an Audible uh, subscription years ago and took advantage of their 30-day free trial. Tried to do that again, and they were like, no, 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 no. We've seen you before, buddy. It's a little bit like the advert that's in the UK at the minute where I think it's Virgin, they're trying to... uh, they're trying to say to to customers, look, even if you're an existing customer, you can still get the sweet deals that the new customers get. So, uh, yeah, I was gutted. So, to find up that, and uh, I've downloaded the Dooku uh, audiobook, which I'm literally just about to, as, as we finish this recording session, I'm going to say goodbye to Mark's beautiful face, and then I'm going to load up some Dooku stuff and crash into that, which I understand that you, you must be a, a, a big chunk of the way through that now, right? 
I finished it. I finished two books, actually, this week. I finished um, Dooku Jedi Lost on the Audibles, and I finished Alphabet Squadron on the Kindleables. Kindleables, which was which was awesome. Two very different books. So, yeah. You, yo, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about Dooku. We should do, when you've finished, let's get reviewing on the review and discussion section. Yeah, man, absolutely. When you're back from, I'm not sure if we're going to be podcasting next week. I think you're at Podcast Movement. Is it next week or the week after? It is, yeah. We're going to probably have a guest on the show or a Garrett solo show, whichever suits you, to be fair, my man. And then I'm back the following week. Sure, sure. So when you get back, I would have listened to it by then, so we can we can throw that into the old review and discussion segment and, and crash into it. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, mate. And otherwise, um, I'm a bit further forward with Plagueis. I'm about 80%, 85% through that. So that'll be done as well. And then I'm on to, uh, I think I'm going to go back to... Uh, I've been saying this for weeks now, but it's only because I've been reading other stuff. I don't want to have too much stuff on the go. But uh, looking at that Delray Timeline website that we mentioned a couple of um, episodes ago, now I can go through in chronological order pretty much. So it's going to be Master and Apprentice after Plagueis. So I think at some point, if I can get my act together and get back into a good reading pattern again, we will hopefully sync up. Although you, you read it like lightning speed. Like every time I talk to you, you're like, yeah, I've read this book and that book, and I'm halfway through this other one. Plus, I've got an audio book on. Plus, I've got something else on. That it's like, dude, do you sleep? Do you know what? Genuinely, I don't. That is honestly. Last night, I was telling Isabel, uh, who works here at Rebel Base Media today. Legitimately, last night, man, this is what happened. You're gonna laugh, right? <laughs> I went to bed at about ten thirty because I had an early, early morning session this morning. I had to be in work for like seven a.m. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna read. It's gonna be great. So I read my book. Ten thirty p.m. Read my book. Fell into a deep sleep. Kindle on the face. And woke up at what I thought was 4am. I'm like, wow, this is some deep sleep. I feel great. Alexa, what time is it? The time is 11.49pm. I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh, no. You are joking. So I did another hour of reading, then did the same at actual 4am. So that's, honestly, man, I literally read for three hours a night because I just my head will not switch off. So I have to read to send myself off. Oh, it's dude. nuts. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's not insomnia. It's just being a geek, I think. Yeah, I think that's a better way of describing it. That sounds that sounds more plausible based on, yeah, on the sort of person you are. And it hurts as well. The old Kindle smashes the old uh, bridge of the nose. That hurts. Oh, it does. It does, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm known for my uh, straight nose. People do call <laughs> me straight nose Asquith. I mean, don't Google that, but just take my word for it, but they do. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into that. Do you know what's interesting as well, that you're going to do them in order? So the Delray timeline. Uh is interesting because Dooku and Master and Apprentice, to me, actually feel like part of a trilogy. Even right. though it's Kevin Scott, um, who we're going to talk about later, and I think it's Claudia Gray that did Master and Apprentice, two different authors. Dude, I can almost guarantee that you'll feel the same. They feel like two pieces of a trilogy. Right. So that's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do after that. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what you think of that, man. Enjoy it. Will do, man. Be good. Should we crack on with some news? Let's do that. What we've got coming up, team? We've got some interesting stuff this week, actually. We've got so Galaxy's Edge. Uh, we've been a bit quiet on that over the last couple of weeks. Um, but they're obviously, they're still doing their thing. And, and we've talked about this in the past. And there's a video doing the rounds. I think it was on the gram to start with, obviously, as everything is these days. And it's this little young kid, this lo young little girl, bless her. I bet she's only two or three years old. She's tiny, you know, and it's like a one-minute video. And... She's dressed as a rebel. She's dressed. Is she? She's dressed as a rebel, definitely. I think she's and meant to be Ray. 
I think. Yes, yeah. she is. She's got the robes on. You're right. Um, and she's walking through Galaxy's Edge, and these two stormtroopers just begin interacting with her in this, like, just this most charmingly beautiful, easygoing fashion. And they're just, you know, they're, they're just saying, wait a second, you know, stop you, halt there. And, you know, she's like, wait a second, what's going on? I'm three. And, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the interaction, the way that these stormtroopers, who are, let's be under no illusion, these guys are paid to work at Galaxy's Edge. You know, this is their job. They don't have to do this stuff. They're just, it seems like they're taking it to the next level. I'm sure that their remit is to interact, but just... We'll put the video in the show notes. It's just stunningly simple and just really, just one of those little heartwarming things that that you just love to see. And that kid, you know, she's got a little bit of internet famous for 15 minutes. You know, that's going to stick with her forever. Um, So I think it's beautiful. It's interesting to see how much of the interactions are built into their helmets, like how much is pre-recorded, how much are they saying, how much are they not saying. But nonetheless... This is just a beautiful piece of serendipity captured by a parent. Um, and I'm assuming you've seen it, dude. I'm, I'm assuming you've watched it. Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. It's a really cute uh, video. And it's exactly that. It's just a bit of serendipity that's just not... It isn't something that you would expect to see all the time. But it, it's nice that those little moments of, of just loveliness are there because this goes back to what we were saying um, weeks and weeks ago that in the ramp up to Galaxy's Edge opening... There was always that fear that it was just going to be shoulder to shoulder everywhere. You're going to get shoved through and there wasn't going to be enough time to just experience it properly and have that interaction. So it's really nice that these two, I mean, you're right, that they don't have to be this involved with anybody, but she's such a little cutie that they just can't help it. And they're really cautious as well, because there's a couple of times where they go to take a couple of steps towards her and she she backs off because she's scared. And so they, they really calm and they take their time with her. I think that's the key. Speaking as a parent, that that's the key is patience with kids. You can't just, you know, because she's obviously, she's on that border as well. She's like half scared, half really excited. And uh, yeah, I think if they pushed it, she would have, she would have run away. But yeah, it's just a lovely little video. We'll, yeah, you, we'll stick it in the show notes. Everyone check it out. It's um, just makes you want to go to Galaxy's Edge more and more. <laughs> yeah, it really does. And I think you're absolutely right. That sort of... Um just that willingness to spend a little time and, and and dig into that that seems to be what's setting galaxy's edge apart you know that seems to be the real just the real focal point is the experience so yeah that's wonderful we'll, like like gas says we'll stick it in the show notes just enjoy that and just spend a minute watching that just fire this up on your phone and take a look at it now the next bit of news is something that really really looks outstanding it's it's for the toy geeks out there so hasbro and, you know, various of the toy manufacturers, they do so much with the licenses that they've got, whether it's Kota Bakir with Marvel and, and DC in particular and some of the Star Wars stuff they do, or whether it's some of the um, some of the Black Series stuff, you know, whatever whatever it is, you always get as a collector, and I, I can see them just behind you actually there, guys, you've got a pile of them uh, in your studio there. It's always something that the fandom absolutely loves, are these kind of collectibles, these toys. Now... The guys at Hasbro put out a new hyper real, and it's part of the Black Series, but it's a hyper real Luke Skywalker. Now, this is from CNET. I saw it on CNET. I think you saw this one. Mm-hmm. And we'll, again, we'll stick it in the show notes. But they've put this toy out that is kind of, it, it just has this, this enigmatic feel to it. It's like they've taken all the features of Mark Hamill 
and they've they've not quite caricatured them, but you know like how a caricature will take your most prominent features and just hyper accentuate them. That's what these guys have done with this hyper real black series figure, and it looks fantastic. You, like it's it's blatantly not lifelike, but somehow it's still it's still mega real. It's been molded, it's been crafted and carved to bring out the Mark Hamill from Mark Hamill. You know, it's and you'll know what I mean when I say that. Um, so what do you make of this, dude? I think it's stunning, person. I think it's fantastic. It looks just outstanding. It's one of those that you keep looking at, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's, a, it's an interesting take, this one. Interesting that Hasbro have targeted this price point and this, um, and this line with the Black, because the Black Series, I think, is alongside the, the original vintage line that millions of collectors for those, the Black Series is probably the next most popular one. So... It's interesting that this price point, because I think they're about $80, um, which works out, I don't know, about 65 quid or something like that. And this is a follow-up to the first Hyperreal was the Darth Vader figure that was out six months ago or something. And that was really a good sort of dipping their toe in the water because with Vader, it's easy to a degree because there's no facial features to nail down. So the helmet's a lot easier to sculpt than someone's face. So whereas this one, I think... I think you mentioned that it's kind of, it's, it's not a caricature in a way. It's not overly cartoony, but it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as they're going for, I, I don't know if it's a, a sense of irony here, but then they're not going for the hyper real um, facial expression. They haven't nailed the face sculpt. It does look slightly cartoony. I mean, from the neck down, it's amazing, but the face, it's kind of Mark Hamill. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, the features are there and stuff. It's just, it's an interesting sort of oddity within the collector's line, I think, because they're certainly not marketing it as a, as a toy, like a kid's toy that you would play with. But when you're spending near $100 for a little bit more, you can move up to like the, I don't know, the, the some of the cheaper hot toys or the sideshow stuff that will give you a much better face sculpt and some accessories with it and all that jazz. So... It's a bit of a weird one. I think I think this will be the, the, the one that determines whether they carry the line on or not, though. Because like I said, Vader was potentially easier to sculpt because there's no face. And everyone loves the Vader figures anyway. Whereas this one, I think it, it's not a Marmite thing where you love it or hate it, but I do think this will either catch your eye and you'll be like, crap, I've, I've got to have this. You know, I've got like six other Luke Skywalker figures in different ranges. This is going to complement it brilliantly. Or you'll be like me and a bit like, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I want to pay 80 bucks for it. If it was 40 bucks or something like that, 50 bucks tops, then maybe. But I don't know. It's just a very weird price point and a weird offering. But it, it, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's, a, it's a good figure. It's good. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? And it, it, uh, you're right what you're saying. The sculpt, the sculpt is way off. You, know? you, you, you can see that they've not gone for that hyper reel. And I almost think that is a that is a design choice. I don't think that's an accident. You know, I think they've, they've obviously gone for that more caricature feel. And like I said, taking all the Mark Hamill features that you'd know and love and expect and just made them the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that's that's an accident. But I, I do know what you're saying. I, personally, I could look at this thing forever. I love that it's that kind of style. Um, and I can see it on the shelf next to the Kotobukiya DCs and, and, and everything else that's on the kind of display cabinet. But, I do hear what you're saying there, dude, about, you know, if you are a collector and you're looking at something that's got the tag hyper real, 
you know, arguably that goes one of the two ways, doesn't it? You know, that if you are genuinely looking for the hyper real sculpt, maybe you're going to be a little bit miffed about this. Maybe it's just not quite what you're looking for. And like you say, you jump up to some of the other stuff. So it's an interesting one, nonetheless. Um, do you think maybe it's something to get people started with that price point? Is it one of those where it's like, look, it's Luke. We did Vader. That's an obvious one. We did Luke. It's Empire Strikes Back. It's easy stuff. It's just very clearly Luke Skywalker. So you, when you're walking into a Forbidden Planet, you look left, you see the display cases, you're like, that's Luke Skywalker. It's only 80 bucks. Do you know what? I'm going to grab it. It feels like one of those kind of plays. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I think it's um, it's interesting if they think that new collectors would would ha- would pick these up and then potentially jump into the normal Black Series stuff, which is, well, more than half the price. So I think for about, I don't know, you can pick it up. That's another thing as well. I think these will come down in price relatively quickly. I can't see these holding their their price point for too long. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good pickup. If you had them both together, that's another thing as well. Like on their own, that's what I mean. They're a bit of an oddity, but you put these two, you put Vader and this one together. Now that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So if the yeah, price drops right. and you could pick them up both together. Yeah, that would be cool. But who are they going to do next? You've either got Han or Leia. It's got to be on it. It's got to be Han or Leia. There's no doubt yeah. about that. It's got to be. Won't be Lando. Ah, no one likes Lando, do they? Let's be what honest. What have we got here? Definitely <laughs> won't be Lando. Han or Leia. I'm calling it. Let's let's do Han. It's got to be All Han. All right. I think we should do uh, Ken Nightinghall, pink shorts guy. Oh, come on. <laughs> Custom sculpt. That'll sell like hotcakes. Yeah. Big t- <laughs> hot buns. Hot buns. <laughs> all right last up on the news this is something that very much interests me and again we'll put a link in to the show notes about this what is project luminous now this is not a new thing it was one of the things that came out of star wars celebration and it was mentioned at sdcc as well but the skywalker tribe the uh the kind of disney gurus the story board have brought together some serious bigwigs. They've brought together the author of Master and Apprentice, Claudia Gray. They've brought together Kevin Scott, who has also done, of course, um, Dooku Jedi Lost. And a couple of other people, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, and Charles Sewell, famous for a lot of DC and Marvel work, um, and brought them together for a, a Star Wars event where they went up to Skywalker Ranch, they watched Empire... They watched A New Hope in 4K, remastered. They had all the remastered Skywalker sound. And they planned a story event called Project Luminous. No one knows what it is, but apparently it's something big, it's something crazy. And it makes me wonder, does it tie into something that we talked about? I doubt it, but does it tie into something? Claudia Gray's there, Kevin Scott's there, something that we mentioned earlier about Dooku and Master and Apprentice maybe feeling like part of something else. I don't know, maybe not. But ultimately, this seems to focus, when you read the releases, it focuses on one line. The Force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things, which is, I believe, an Obi-Wan line from A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the logos, when you look at the releases, the teasers coming from Lucasfilm and Disney, Project Luminous 2020, and it's got a Jedi logo. It's got a Jedi logo just underneath it. Really nicely, beautifully designed little Star Wars piece. 
what the hell is this? <laughs> what is it? What do you think it is? Well, first of all, lucky bastards have been able to watch Empire and A New Hope in 4K remastered. That's got to be coming to 4K next year. It's got to be. If Yeah. You can't just have all these really... I mean, I, I, that might be a perk of the job, I suppose. If you're going to be working for Lucasfilm and Disney, it's like, dudes, come and have a look at 4K. The muggles can't watch them, so make the most of it. It's got to be. It's got to be coming next year. Soon as soon as Rise <laughs> of Skywalker is announced... Get that out of the way, and then six months later, after we've all bought it, guess what? Guess who's bringing out a box set? Yeah. Oh, cute Disney. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's. Um, do you think that Chuck Wendig would have been part of this group if he hadn't have been fired? I yes, so. I, I think he would. Um, I do think he would. And a, a couple of others as well, like Alexander Freed, who's just done uh, Alphabet Squadron and did Battlefront Twilight Company. You know, there's some amazing story writers in here. Um, mm. and yeah, I do think Wendig would have been involved because he was doing what seemed to be amazing work. And the Aftermath trilogy is solid, man. He's a, he's a funny guy as well. Anyways, yeah. Project Luminous. I have no idea what this could be. I have a feeling that it's going to be, and this is a, a massive stab in the dark, but I have a feeling that it's going to be some big, big multi- thing event because i think marvel well yeah i think D disney have just seen what marvel have done with the mcu and they've they've thought wow the the whole world just goes absolutely bonkers for these big multi-event things so all of the um individual marvel mcu films have done extremely well but the avengers stuff where you have all the all the wibbly wobbly timeline stuff and everything mushed together people just go nuts for it, like billion, like, you know, it's guaranteed billion dollar stuff. So I think they're going to do something with that. That I just got that feel. I've got a, I don't know, a, a force tingle that it's going to be a big multi, multi-event thing spanning lots of characters, which is why I think they've got so many authors and storytellers involved and they've all kind of thrown them in with the story group with all the other people at Disney so they can get like a billion post-it notes around a room with all the characters, locations and story ideas and just do this big multi thing. I don't know. What do you reckon it is? Well, when you look at this, you've got basically people who are all written word. You've got Charles Sewell, who is a comics guy. You've got Claudia Gray, who of course is... Claudia Gray, she's written some of the finest Star Wars books out there. You've got Daniel Jose Older and Justina Ireland, both who have worked on um, written projects, some of the Lando work, some of the Solo work, Spark of Resistance. Mm -hmm. You know, they've worked on some of that kind of written word and, and, and the kind of uh, extended universe stuff. And then Kevin Scott, of course, who's, who's Dooku, um, Jedi Lost. I, I just feel this is one of two things, or, like you said, a combination thereof. I think it's some kind of multi-book event that spans a period of time and is is set as an anthology. And I think it will be announced post-Rise of Skywalker or just before Rise of Skywalker so that we mythology aficionados get some more mythology to get us teeth into for the next year. So some big, big multi-book event or some big, big, big animated event or more likely... A triplex, if it's anything that's a crossover, a triplex between the written word, 
an animated series and some kind of comics tie-in because the Alphabet Squadron guys, they've just done the Marvel inserts for Alphabet Squadron where 99% of the book is written word in a normal novel, but in the middle of it, you've got some comics pages that bring the TIE fights to life. Okay. Right. So there's the you know I'm just I've just finished that one and it's it's great you know it's you, you read this book and then suddenly there's a comic in the middle of it, um, so I I don't know man I think you might be onto something with the multi the multimedia element of it though but I do think it's going to be if if anything I think it's going to be something that's multifaceted and spans multiple publications definitely yeah I think so and there there must be a reason why they've they've kept it under wraps and they've assigned a name to it. So this Project Lum, there must be a reason why this Project Luminous name has been created just for this group of storytellers. There must be a, because otherwise it would just be a normal release. It would just be like, yeah, we got these writers together and it's going to be a, it's going to be like three novels, 20 comics, two audiobooks, and it's going to, you know, it's going to come out at some point in 2020. So there must be a reason why there's secrecy around it and the project name. So we will keep you guys um, in the loop when we know more, but yeah, it's good stuff. It's good that we've got some undercover storytelling going on. Bit of intrigue. Yeah, it really is, man. And I think it's part of the strategy from Disney to keep us all interested, you know, Rise of Skywalker onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, they, they, they know that they can't make all of their money from the movies these days because they've, they've, they went a little awry with Solo. You know, they know they can't just keep pumping movies out. They have to get creative with this stuff. Um, and we know that they're bringing the Clone Wars back. We know that that's coming back to Disney+. Plus. Makes you wonder if that's related to it. You know, are they going to bring something into the streaming service, which mm. you would think would be their main gambit when you look at what they're doing with the Marvel stuff over on Disney+. Plus. It's, it, they're their two biggest properties, Marvel and Star Wars. Mm. You know, Arguably in terms of franchises, at least. Um, and, and, and IP. You know, sure, they've got all the Disney stuff, but I can't, you know, no one wants to see uh, the prequel to Aladdin, do they? You know, no one wants to see that. I don't care about what the genie did, whether it was a fighter pilot, not bothered. So it's like the Marvel and the Star Wars IP is the biggest franchise-led stuff they've got. So there has to be, for my money, something Disney Plus in there as well. Got to be. Very quickly, you mentioned the animated stuff, potentially. I'm still waiting for them to run into the vault and grab that really cool animated series that Seth Green worked on. Did you see this? No. So I think this was about, crikey, about five years ago, maybe six years ago. You know Seth Green? Mm-hmm. Uh, him and somebody else, can't remember the guy's name, but the two of them worked on this really cool Star Wars animated series, and it was like a comedy caricature style, really cool looking, funny almost family guy-ish, not in the visual style, but in kind of like the comical flavour Star Wars thing. Um, But it was all done. You know, they had a cool trailer out, but then Disney just binned it. They were like, no, we we just don't feel like releasing it. We don't feel like the the public would want to see it. And everyone was like, what? No, we want to see it. But yeah, in terms of animated stuff, they need to dig that out because I think that would do well. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to try and find the trailer on the line. Yeah, looks amazing. Yeah, I should look into that. All right, guys, that wraps up the news for another week. So, like I mentioned right at the beginning of the show, right at the top of the show, if you do want to get involved, even if you want to join us in discussing a random spotlight, you can do that and you can grab some swag over on our Patreon. Every dollar, every cent, every penny that we make will go back into making this show even better for you. So you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. So, Review and discussion theory. Rey isn't the only Jedi left. 
which I think is a fair bet anyway. However, there's a theory doing the rounds, and it has been for a while, that the Force didn't just awaken Rey, but it also awoke Finn. And the theory is that actually Finn is either a Jedi or the last Jedi. And there's a couple of things that support this. And interestingly, I saw another theory earlier uh, earlier on today, which I put on maybe to talk about on the show the week after next when I'm back, about Rey and the Force and some of her past. So we'll talk about that because these all kind of tie together. But there's some compelling evidence, according to a couple of people over on the old Reddits and, and the internets, about the theory that Rey and Finn are both Jedi. They're both very strong Force users. Of course, some of the obvious stuff around Finn... He actually did pretty well with a lightsaber. You know, he did all right. Granted, poor old Adam Driver, poor old Kylo. He'd been shot with a blooming bowcaster. That pesky Chewie gets a bit angry. He kills your best friend, shoots a bowcaster. Calm down, mate. No need. You know what I mean? Diplomacy. That's what it needs. That's why the galaxy's in such a state. Wookie's But, bloody Wookie. Wookie mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... Okay, time to leave. Anyway, how... (laughs) Finn did all right with the lightsaber, nonetheless. Incidentally, you'd also got... And I never noticed these other two things. Maz Kanata, she entrusts Finn, a stranger who she'd just met and who was just about to bail and leave with possibly the most valuable thing in her entire life. Certainly in her possession. The artifact of Luke and previously Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. So that goes to Finn. You know, why would you leave that? Why would you trust that to him? And then the other one, which is a really interesting nod, and I didn't, I've never noticed this, dude. Um, you know, at the beginning of Force Awakens, obviously the uh, the stormtrooper gets killed. Finn can't go through with his first mission of, of what is essentially kind of, uh, you know, mass extinction, genocide, or whatever you want to call it. It's basically wiping out a village. And and the, the stormtrooper marks his helmet with the red blood, which is blatantly for us mm-hmm. to be able to identify Finn. But... The one thing that I'd never noticed is that obviously we know that Kylo stopped and looked at him. Why did he stop and look at him? We know from a narrative perspective, from our perspective, that's intended to say, this is Kylo Ren. This is setting up Finn not actually being a bad guy. We'll give you that connection. From a narrative perspective, then that sets up good versus evil. That's a storytelling ideal. But from a mythology perspective, why did Kylo Ren stop? What made him stop? There was no reason. He was marching forward and he was just going through with his own plan, his own mission. And he stopped, actively stopped, and looked at Finn. So did he sense something? That's the theory. Finn is a very strong Force user. Kylo Ren recognized the Force awakening in Finn. That's what caused him to stop. That's why Finn was a little bit handy with everything. And it's why ultimately Ray and Finn were drawn together, just like Luke and Ben and, uh, you know, so many other people throughout the series. So what do you make of this, man? What do you make of this? Yeah, I think this is rubbish, mate. Yeah? Yeah. I can see why fans would want to dive into this stuff. But it kind of doesn't make any sense, really, does it? When we look at the bigger picture. Because the, what they're doing is they're zoning on, the, they're zoning in on these little details throughout the Force Awakens, and it, they're just very easy to debunk, in my opinion, anyway. Um, so the thing about Kylo stopping and having a look over at thing, uh, he's just doing that because all the other stormtroopers are busy killing people and doing stuff. Finn's just standing there scratching his nuts, 
So when the boss, it's like any job. When the boss is walking through the office, you don't just stand there scratching your nuts like, oh, I'm pretty bored at the minute. Yeah, I, f- I, could, I could, could be doing some work, but I'm choosing not to. I'm just going to stand and do nothing. You don't do that when the manager's walking through. And that's essentially what Finn's doing. He's got caught, you know, just daydreaming. And Kylo, look, if the mask wasn't on, his face would probably be saying, well, what the hell are you doing? We don't pay you just to stand around and sightsee. You're here to do stuff. So I reckon Kylo just notices that he's standing there motionless when all the other stormtroopers are doing stuff. Um, and the other thing about the lightsaber, let's look at the options that were available to Maz. She's not exactly got the best of choices here, actually. Ray has already uh, crapped her pants and run off. That leaves you with Han, who, let's face it, He's not the quickest and most nimble of guys when we get to The Force Awakens. He's kind of limping around a bit. You've got Chewie, who I don't think... There is a little bit of lore somewhere. I read this ages ago that potentially the Wookiees are kind of Force-sensitive, but I don't think they're kind of Force-users, if you like. So, And he prefers the bowcaster anyway. So who's left to give the lightsaber to? It's just Finn, isn't it? So I don't think that she looked at the crowd in front of her and sort of whittled it down to like, oh, okay, you you kind of look like the force is going on. Let's give that to you because it's a lightsaber. I just think that he was like the best option at the time. Um, so yeah, it's another one of those cool theories. And you you can dig into this stuff for so long. And there's, there were some other bits in here as well about... Um, did JJ kind of foreshadow this stuff with Finn? So that by the time we get round to the rise of Skywalker, his kind of journey from baddie to 187 to, you know, castaway to then potential Jedi to now Jedi stuff, you know, that's a bit of foreshadowing. But yeah, I just don't know. I think that takes the focus away from Ray a little bit and what's going on with Ray and Kylo and all that stuff. So yeah, man, it's a good, fun little theory, but I think it's a, I think it's rubbish because it's easily debunked. I think those theories where you have to think about it for more than five minutes to debunk it have got some water or some weight, sorry. But yeah, this one, I don't know. Yeah, man, I think that's a really good breakdown of it. And I, I, I would actually agree on that front as well. I think you're totally right. It's it's a lovely little theory. There's a, a really good piece on, on Blaster or sci-fi.com every week, which is like this week in fan theories. And you're absolutely right. Like You, you, can, you can connect anything to anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's outstanding what you can do, which is, it's not a bad thing. It's really fun. You know, it makes these shows fun. It makes the discussions fun. It makes fandom fun. But I think you're right, dude. I think this one is a little bit of bunkum. And, uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of people, I, I actually don't even think that many people would be even mentioning it if, if in The Rise of Skywalker it just wasn't even addressed. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would be worried about that. As long as Finn gets his due in the story and he's part of the storyline, you know, he wasn't used that much in, in The Last Jedi. So as long as he gets his due and gets a fair storyline, I think people are going to be happy with that anyway. I agree, dude. What did they do with him in The Last Jedi? Oh, man. They just sent him off. Or just for no reason. That that whole Finn and Rose thing was just a... Let's get a MacGuffin in. A MacGuffin. So get him out of the way. A MacGuffin. Get it out of the way so that we we don't have to do anything. And let's do it really cool visually so no one notices. There was only one thing that I really liked about that side story was because it alluded to the wider picture, which was everyone profits from war and how shocked they were that it was goodies and baddies, imperials and non-imperials, supporters 
defectors. They were all just making money mm. from the war. That was the only little thing that I liked, which alluded to a little bit more going on other than what we see yeah. on the film. Outside of that, total bollocks. Totally. Did a bit of a disservice bollocks. to him, really. Because essentially, yeah. like you said, they just tucked him out of the way so that the rest of the story could crack on. Yeah. Kind of missed seeing, like, Finn sort of sweaty running around because he does sweat a lot like in the force awakens like every scene he's like sweating quite a lot must be the jacket he's a sweater yeah a because a lot of the time you don't need that jacket he's wearing that jacket on places that you don't need jackets exactly like in the middle of the desert it's really funny when he turns up at jakku the little outpost and he's desperate for water he's like water water and he's like running through it's like dude take your jacket off you've got a big leather jacket on I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be as thirsty if you just took the jacket off and he's like, I can't do that. It's rainproof. What if? Just what if? It's a just in case, dude. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right on that theory, man. Let's. Uh, that's officially debunked by Gary Aylett. Bing, bang, bong. Theory debunked. We need a debunk jingle, don't we? We do. A debunkingle. Debunkle. A debunkle. Debunk. Debunk. Trademark. Debu- that. Yep, done. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Listen up. We are heading into the random spot. Spotlight. It's a fun one. So I've been reading recently uh, Alphabet Squadron, which I'm sure we'll get to do a, a little cheeky review of in the future. It's a it's a it's a tough read. It's by Alexander Freed, who does who also did Battlefront Twilight Company, and I didn't realise it when I read it. I was thinking this is a bit of a slog because he's always introducing all these new factions and characters and scenarios. So you know when you're like reading a Star Wars novel, you get there's always like one or two things that that just lynch you back. So it might be like, oh, there's Vader. And that you don't get that until about halfway through when when uh, General Sindulla comes in. So he did it with Twilight Company as well, where you're getting battered with all this new information. But one of the cool things that he did was, this is like a dogfight kind of book. You know, it's Ty versus X-Wing. Ty versus, uh, basically, essentially, the, the, the new Republic fleet. And the thing is that he does really well is he, he doesn't rely on the characters for the law. He relies on the machinery. He relies on the ships. So this takes place after Operation Syndrome. One of the cool things which we're going to focus on now is he uses one of the ships that you mentioned so rightly earlier on before we started talking uh, on, on the record was in A New Hope but kind of got all of the, the attention taken away from it, which is the Y-Wing, which is a pretty badass-looking fighter. It's pretty cool. Totally different use case to the uh, to the X-Wings and the B-Wings and the A-Wings and the whatever else wings are out there. Um, but the Y-Wing is the random spotlight. So what was your first exposure to this? Do you, would this was this just one of those passing ships in the background of A New Hope for you until until it got a little bit more of the spotlight? Like, Tell us about that. Yeah, I believe so. I think the first, it must have been A New Hope the first time I saw it or saw them. And uh, I was always intrigued because... When you're a little kid, you always want to be the best of the of the things. You always what I mean is if you had a choice between the X-Wing fighter and other ships, you would go with the X-Wing. I'm, I'm not talking I'm not including the, the Falcon in that, but like, you know, just the the ships that were being used by the rebels. Because they did have three or four different versions and you saw them very briefly. But um, yeah, I just saw them in the background. So there's that scene where the they're just about to leave Yavin Four. They're 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 off and they're going off to do the attack on the Death Star. And there's that cool scene where the X Wings are kind of in formation and they're just drifting nicely. And then they put their 
their their wings into attack position and you hear that really cool sound effect as they go into attack but the y wings don't really have any there's no kind of fanfare about them they're just cruising along behind and that's what i mean the 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 the, the spotlight is on the x wings all the time and rightly so because they're really cool uh, fighter ships within that scene especially just in general they're cool anyway but in that scene but and then when you have the whole last battle sequences which is one of the the best pieces of cinema that last sort of half an hour of a new hope where you have that two in and throw in between x-wings and y-wings and the tie fighters and all that stuff it's really cool because it cuts to that camera where it's just in the cockpit and you see the the, the pilots at first you think well I don't really know what the Y-Wings are doing here. But then it's, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't really get that. It's only when you're a bit older you realise that the X-Wings were never supposed to actually deposit the the torpedoes within the little vulnerable slot in the in, in the, the Death Star. It was always meant to be the, the, the Y-Wings to do that. So it was only because they all got destroyed that Luke had to do it in the X-Wing. So they did have a really important task to do when they were sent off to attack the Death Star, but... Yeah, and they're a really cool-looking ship as well. You know, like I said, the X-Wings are cool-looking, but the Y-Wings have just got this real simple shape. And as the, the name suggests, when you look at them from the top down, they look like the letter Y. But I like that the engine and all the stuff is exposed at the back. So you've got the cockpit up front, which looks pretty standard, but then it's like a shortened version of the X-Wing um, front, it looks like. But then the rest of it is all like just metal and tubes and gears and everything. They just look pretty cool and they they not many people mention them to be fair and when's the last time you had a discussion about y wings <laughs> you know not many people mention it so yeah first time i saw them do was a new hope what about you yeah same sort of thing but actually went unnoticed the first time that i really started noticing them noticing them was in the clone wars the tv show oh. um because they were very much uh, a part of that you know the Clo- clone army was very much I don't think they put that much of a focus on the white on the, on the X-wing throughout the Clone Wars. If I, I can't certainly can't remember it being as heavily featured as you'd expect. It was definitely the Y-wings. It was the Jedi starships that had the hyperspeed ring. Um, you know, there was a lot of that kind of old Republic or Legacy Republic stuff, and the Y-wings were a big, big part of that. Um, so yeah, I think that was really my first, oh, okay, look at that, that's a different kind of ship, I know it's always existed, and then I saw it again in Rogue One, you see that, uh, you know, as a heavy part of Rogue One, um, so it kind of interests me from that perspective, and then more recently, it's been, like I said, Alphabet Squadron, and um, some of the other stuff, like, I think they show up in Aftermath pretty heavily, not heavily, but enough to be to be noticed, where you think, you actually see characters referencing it. And you're saying, actually, okay, wait a minute. You, they ne- and they never say this about the X-Wing. It's always, wait a minute, that's a Y-Wing? Yeah, dude, that's old. Like, you've got to be careful with that. <laughs> no one ever says that about an X-Wing, even if it's, you know, it can be old old Rebel stuff. And it's it's still it's still like, ah, oh, that's an X-Wing, it's all good. Uh, but the Y-Wings do seem to get a bit of a beat in it. I don't know if it's in lore or in mythology that they're just not producing them and they are literally old Clone Wars relics, I don't know. Um but it's got, it seems to have an interesting charm and character, dude. And it's certainly a distinctive looking ship. It's like you said, it's like the inverted Y. It looks, it just looks kind of like a, it's just like a transporter, isn't it? It looks, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks a bit like something off Manta Force. You remember Manta Force? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. Yeah. It's like something that had come out of the Red <laughs> Devil ship and you'd be like, oh, look at that little bad boy. Um, you know, it's got that kind of 70s, 80s toy feel to it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's cool. And uh, apparently it costs 130,000 credits. I don't know whether that's to buy off the production line or to manufacture, but it seems pretty reasonable. You can see why the Rebels would go for it. Well, you get what you pay for. You know, battle-tested, you know, good fuel efficiency, amazing ion cannons, probably. You know, torpedo probably. housing and DAB digital radio built in. What more so. could you want? Mini disc is what I could want. Yeah, actually, if, being if, shit. if you've got some good music going on, who cares? <laughs> oh, dude, maybe some Kenny Loggins in that when you're attacking the Death Star. Come oh, on. yeah. Busting some <laughs> footloose out as you try to get down the old uh, the crater. <laughs> danger zone, dude. Bit of, bit of oh, you'd go for the danger going. zone. Yeah. Top gun. Do you know what? I found something out interesting yesterday. Harold Faltermeyer, who did Top Gun soundtrack, you know, the main theme tune. Oh, yeah. Also did Axel F from Beverly Hills Cop. Shut up. Get in the sea. How mental is that? He must be minted then. He's got to be minted. Axel F and Top Gun. Big what? time, mate. The two most played themes from like 84, no, 85 through to like 91 at least. Yeah. When they were out on cinema, then video and all that stuff. But then all that, like every, they must be minted to have like songwriting credits on those. Yeah, and like every ringtone from 2003 to 2010 was Axel F. I had it on Guitar Hero, the Top Gun theme. Of course you did, that's amazing. Love that. Cup of tea, Sunday night, bit of Guitar Hero. <laughs> Cup of tea, smashing out a Top Gun <laughs> theme tune at volume 100. <laughs> I don't waste my nights, mate, come on. That is amazing. I imagine <laughs> you just in your pants there, drinking the tea, rocking out and then stopping as there's a little bridge. This is not the guitar bit, so I'm going to take a sip of my tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've moved the coffee table out of the way. Just me and the Wymers. Got Guitar Hero on. Brew on. Come on. I love that. I love that. That is <laughs> that is just a picture. And we'll finish on that. I don't think we can get better than that. So we're going to wrap that wrap that up with with a with a Y wing. Go and check it out. We'll stick a link in there. It's a cute little cute little ship. It definitely looks like something from Manta Force, but it is it is pretty badass nonetheless. Thank you for joining us here on Spark of Rebellion. We'll be back next week. I believe it will either be a Gary Solo show or a very special guest. I'm not around. I'll be away at Podcast Movement in Orlando. So if you're going to be there, come along and say hello. I'll be meeting Mr. Mark Ramsey from Inside Star Wars, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you know how much we like that series. So go and check that out and give Mark some feedback as well. It's going to be a great show. I've got no doubt next week. In the meantime, if you do want to join the Spark Rebellion tribe, go ahead and check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. And if you're feeling nice and if you're feeling like you want to just lend a hand, just fire up your podcast app and leave us a nice little rating and review, which will help other people who love Star Wars to discover this show as well. We'd really, really appreciate that. And thank you so much for listening. Gaz, it's been a pleasure, dude. Thank you. Pleasure as always, mate. And as Mark said, head over to Patreon, hit us up over there. We'd love your support. Uh, also, check us out on the socials. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. Uh, we chat Star Wars throughout the week, which is cool. Next week, as Mark said, he's away. So it'll either be me or I'll drag someone in. So until then, I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. Next week, episode 19. That'll be good. Until then, may the force be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>